Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Wheel of Time, Season 1, Episode 7, The Dark Along the Ways is over, but we are just getting started here on the Wheel of Time podcast on post-show recaps. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler, and I am joined here by, uh, he's a king with a kingdom, and that kingdom is twitch.tv slash DM Philly. It is DM Philly himself, Rich Filiberto. Philly, Thank how you, you doing? Thank you, Daishan. I am so good. Uh, I'm hype. I really liked this episode, Josh. Big surprise. Uh, yeah, I'm shocked. You've been pretty low on the show. I know. Uh, so far. So critical. Yeah. <laughs> You've been fair, I would say. Uh, enthusiastic, but fair. Uh, and I think that that's the way we like it, Rich. Uh, and I think uh, I'm feeling pretty hyped about where we are building towards. This was another really fun one, Rich. Uh, lots of great character stuff. Lots of forward momentum. Um, some things that I have so many questions about. Some things that are happening here that I recall from the books. Other things that I definitely don't. A character mm-hmm. or two, at least a character that I remember from the books who I was expecting to see earlier, who I am seeing now. Mm-hmm. Uh some scenes that I remember from uh, Eye of the World that I am now seeing here, maybe out of sequence and excited to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot to, to chew on on this one as we are, my goodness, at the penultimate episode of The Wheel oh. of Time, season one. How are you feeling about that? 
It hurts. It hurts, Josh. <laughs> I am uh, very sad that we're coming to a close of season one, but I'm so delighted that we like got a season one of the Wheel of Time TV show. It's been like an absolute joy, like talking to people about it all season, like watching the episodes over and over and over again. Uh, I'm putting together a Wheel of Time tabletop role playing game. We're going to yeah, dust it off some old books. What does that mean? What does that mean? Because you're a huge Dungeons and Dragons guy. I you am. are. You are uh, chair of the Dungeon Master Committee of the Post Show Recaps D&D Brigade. If anyone wants to play Dungeons & Dragons with Rich at the helm, that is an option for you at patreon.com slash postshowrecaps. At twitch.tv slash dmphilly, Rich, you're constantly streaming Dungeons & Dragons and TTRPG shenanigans. But what does it mean to do the Wheel of Time RPG? Is it a reskinned Dungeons and Dragons with Wheel of Time world building elements or is it more than that? It's that I could say it's something else, but it's a it's a reskinned version of yeah. third edition Dungeons and Dragons 3.5, which is one of my like beloved systems came out around 2000 uh, Wizards of the Coast who makes like Magic the Gathering. You probably know them from they published the Dungeons and Dragons like game line. And so they somehow got the rights to the Wheel of Time 20 years ago and they made the Wheel of Time tabletop uh, and it uses those like third edition D&D rules and a couple of our friends from the post-show recaps community uh, are familiar with those rules as am I so I've gathered together some cohorts and we're going to play so in January the show will be over but my campaign will just be getting started can I oh do my that? God. Yeah, Am you I allowed just, to do that here? You, you just did. I did. Uh, so the, <laughs> the Wheel of Time uh, fun is not going to stop here with the end of season one, with the show uh, being uh, on Yachtis, thankfully not being done. Uh, season two already in production, uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So we are excited about the possible turnaround there. Uh, so yeah, make sure that you're checking out what Rich has going on because uh, a masterful storyteller, if you are not already aware via his podcast analysis, you will become aware of it if you immerse yourself in the role-playing games that he has uh, he has presided over over at DM Philly as well as the PSR Discord. So that's twitch.tv slash DM Philly, patreon.com slash recaps to get a whole lot more of Rich and Epic fantasy but for this episode specifically rich of the wheel of time the dark along the ways as our resident uh, uh warder here on the wheel of time podcast how did you feel about this one did it um did it meet expectations given where we are in the story did it exceed them did it defy them just give me some uh, broad strokes takes of where you are here after episode seven Okay, so broad strokes. I think it exceeded expectations for me. Uh, I had like even big expectations for this episode, given the like pace we've been going at and like where we kind of are in the story. Like I knew it needed to be a big one, but they really went for it. A lot went down, but at the same time, we spent a lot of time, the most time so far in all of the single episodes with the kids, with the Emmons Fielders. We really like sat with them in these scenes where they were talking to each other and I was very happy to see that. Um, I think that the highs were like much higher than I thought. And the lows were some of the lowest I've had all season. Uh, oh, interesting. The few, the few nits that I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick hard at. Uh, the like things that disappointed me, they like really maybe frustrated me a little bit. Um, but such is life. Ultimately, can you, uh, I'm really happy. 
can you get because I'm not I'm not sure. You know, I I watched it quick. I'm still on my trip. So maybe sure. I'm not glomming onto the stuff quite as fiercely as I normally do. Um, is this is there a vibe in the community about some of the scenes that may or may not have worked? Yes, I think people loved the stuff in the ways. I think people loved a lot of like the interconnectedness of Faldara, the prophecies, getting to see the blight at the end, flashbacks, all big, big, big two thumbs up. But the one, uh, not the only one, but one of the unifying kind of uh, pieces of feedback that I'm seeing from the book readers and just the show watchers is like thumbs down on the love triangle. Uh, I think that they they were happy to see some romances advanced, but the like illusions of the love triangle with the Rand and the parent of Egwene. I don't all, get it. What um, people, people people are mad were about that? Big I mean, time not thrilled, listen. and I was surprised uh, that it was for coming from both camps of people, seemingly equally, according to what I'm kind of looking at. Time has passed, Rich. It's been at least a month since Perrin killed his wife. Can a man not just move on? Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, a decisive no. No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's yeah. like to the problem at all, right? Yeah. Um, we've certainly like seen a couple of people that have like some really outspoken criticism about how this just highlights like the fridging of it all in Layla in the first episode. Right. I don't want to like dwell there and beat up on it, but like uh, that's a choice that we talked about in the beginning that didn't happen in the books. Perrin wasn't married in the books. Uh, Brandon Sanderson in some of his conversation about this season said, "Look, the big change in this turning of the wheel. The show is a new turning of." the wheel it is a retelling of this story uh, uh differently right um and in this turning the world is darker and the kids are aged up and by aging the kids up you can kind of hit them with harder stuff than than someone with the receiving in the books so it was a choice you know and um there there's some distinct differences from the text here some for better probably yeah and others definitely for worse and that's at the top of the pile right probably the single biggest criticism I have of the whole season was this whole decision to marry off parent, kill his wife, and then ha insinuate he's in love with the queen. Yeah, it is a lot. It <laughs> is. It is a lot. It's probably not. Uh, you know, uh, I th I think the fact that yeah, they seem to be getting into he has feelings for Egwene, especially if they're at all rooted in the trip that they just took together. You know that they were together for a month this happening straight on the heels of this horribly traumatic event mm -hmm. and also us not getting to see a ton of that month together a lot of that storyline they're dealing with other people i feel like um in there so yeah uh maybe kinda... not really popping for me i don't know that it flags for me as like a an enormously egregious thing because i was really uh, enraptured with so much of the rest of the episode um but i can definitely see it as something that is just you know for me, it wasn't really pinging at all, which is a failure, you know? I think that, that my issue is because the rest of the episode was so high, right? Yep. It was kind of like it carried this sort of extraordinary, like, momentum. Uh, the shifts even from, like, the tension and the drama to just the slow kind of, like, exploration of relationships and motivation was really, like, riveting, compelling stuff for me. And then this thing just, like, uh, you know, it hit, like, like an off-key bell in the middle of an orchestra. Like, it just it didn't land right um there's like one kind of specific line in the text that we touch on at this time where somebody kind of calls out Perrin and uh, he's like oh no i love her not quite like a sister but she and rand oh uh uh and like yeah. that's kind of it 
you know, um, so I try not to like talk about that, these changes too much or harp on them. I think a lot of them are really great changes and they're great adaptations, uh, taking this from page to screen. But this one, I don't know, Josh, you would know better than me, but it just like reeks to me of some studio executive somewhere being like, uh, what's with this guy? You know, he's, he's yeah. just got this thing going on. Like, why doesn't he like the girl? I don't know. It do, it does feel like there is a little bit of Perrin needs to be more interesting, uh, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, from mm -hmm. like a top down level that that you can that you can feel. We don't mean to beat up on the show too too much here. No, I I it. do I do think it's worth getting out of the way uh, some of the things that we're feeling, and we'll we'll talk it through in even more detail when we get there deeper in the episode. Um, but to to what you said earlier, I think you and I both really enjoyed so much of the episode, yeah. um, especially with how it begins uh, in, in such intense fashion. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Of course, Wheel of Time Book Club podcast for episode seven is going to be coming your way in just a few days. Uh, Rich, too soon to announce a guest or... We got the great Taryn Armstrong yeah. coming back for one more. Uh, he and I are going to be chatting. Taryn really Thor. Yeah, exactly. Yes, we love that. So Taryn's coming back to talk Wheel of Time, Episode 7 from the the book's POV. Uh, so keep uh, keep an eye out on your feed for that. You'll also see in your feed, we shot over The Witcher Season 2, Episode 1 recap from Mike and Angela. If you are watching The Witcher, um, they already have their own podcast feed for The Witcher, but we wanted to make sure that you saw that Episode 1 was up. So subscribe, posherrecaps.com slash witcherpod. If you are interested in more coverage of The Witcher as Mike and Angela take that for a spin each and every week uh, for the next eight weeks uh, covering the whole binge drop of season two. Uh, I was listening to their recap of season uh, the season two premiere was supremely fun, uh, really, really insightful, very fun stuff from Mike and Angela. So check that out if you are a Witcher fan. We're going to throw it to a commercial real quick. When we come back, we are going to talk through the dark along the way. Stay tuned. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. We are back, Rich. And we begin... Where are we? I mean, you know, I don't. I know exactly where we are, my friend. This you know, I don't. The, this is the blood snow. Uh, it was called uh, the Battle of Shining Walls. We are on the slopes of Dragon Mount itself. Uh, we mentioned it when we came up on Tarvalon, the Flame of Tarvalon. We saw the big mountain in the background, Dragon yep. Mount, like a volcano, right? This ever smoking mountain. Uh, this was kind of like a, a, a distinguishing place where the last dragon. And Luz Theron Terramon's home was, and Luz Theron kind of like uh, blew his own castle up and dropped this like flaming mountain in the middle of the world. Uh, that is where we are. Okay, so that's where we begin as we see um, this this woman who is covered in blood. She has bloody weapons on her back. She is screaming as she is running through the snow and winds up battling all of these deeply heavily armed and armored warriors who she mostly massacres while apparently uh, and it took me a beat to realize what was happening she's in labor yeah not just pregnant josh but in labor and uh yeah she obliterated those guys true she did not make it out of the other side of eight armored soldiers but that my friend is a uh, far derives my that is an aiel maiden of the spear yeah uh sometimes called like the al guy to siswai uh the dancers of the spears uh yes Tigrain Mantir, uh, hello. What a scene. That Josh. was that was really wild. And we've been uh, hearing a little bit about the Aeels. Uh, this was something that um, Tom had mentioned to Matt uh, several episodes ago. I think that was back in episode four. Uh, and there have been a couple of things here and there. Uh, Loyal, the Ogier, had said something similar to Rand, and an Aeelman who doesn't think he's an Aeelman from the two mm -hmm. rivers. Um, mm -hmm. And based on, of course, how the episode ends with, uh, or close to the episode's ending, with the flashes that Rand has had and seeing that it's Tam, his father, who is that knight with the heron blade sword. Uh, is it the heron marked sword? Is that right? It's a heron marked sword. That's yep. the proper term. Uh, the mark of the heron on a blade denotes a blade master. Um, Tam Althor. It's a little thing. They put it in the x-ray features there at the end. But essentially, like, he joined up during the Aiel War. There's been some mentions of, like, the Aiel War from 20 years ago. The Aiel way off on the eastern side of the map, like, past kind of what's called the spine of the world, this mountain range. They're, they're desert people, right? They live out there, and they are are no joke right yeah. if uh, one like pregnant maiden of the spear in labor can obliterate seven guys like that then my word what must me think of like the rest of them when they come over the spine of the world and and i'm not asking you to answer this necessarily in fact mm -hmm. don't except to 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 let me know if i'm if i'm sniffing in the right direction of it should strike me as distinct that the people who we are talking about, the Aiel, who we have heard as desert people um, being here in the snow, being very far from home, should be notable. And oh, yeah. I assume uh, explained in greater detail at a later point in time. 
Oh, yeah. There's a ton of lore about it, about the blood snow, why they're here. I'm sure a lot of it will be like recounted in reflection. Uh, but yes, it's notable, right? Uh, the Aiel are like rare to be found in, in the Westlands. Like they don't come over the spine of the world for nothing. This scene was awesome. Um, Dude, it's ridiculous. When she grabs the cloak, the like leaping jump to pull the guy down by his cloak, the like slow-mo kind of bullet time. And she's like very notably not using swords or stuff, right? She has these three spears in a bundle, um, super nitpicky book reader stuff. But so the Aiel, they wear veils. And the idea is like, be afraid. Tom said it to Matt earlier, but but an Aiel will only kill when they raise their veil, when they raise their veil over over their face that's when you know stuff gets dangerous so you may see some folks out there uh, moaning and, and griping that she lowers her veil but again like this is a pivot we have actors acting uh, we need to like see their faces like the eyes to die can't have these like stone-faced implacable expressions like it's okay it's okay that that she dropped her veil uh it was incredible Josh. can i, I also I can i also just say in her defense she was in labor. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. If you need that extra bit of justification, just hear him again. In she was labor. in labor, killing what? Six attackers? Six assailants? Something like that? Seven, I didn't maybe? count because I felt that giving a specific number would demean the accomplishment and belittle how epic it was. I've but got, yeah, let's let call it see. eight guys. I, right. Twelve in the all right. She uh, Here in my notes, she kills a fully armored knight. That's one. And then mm -hmm. another. That's two. She uses mm -hmm. one as a human shield. That's yep. three. She yep. fights three at once. She kills those three. She does get yep. stabbed by one of them. So that's six. Uh, and then the last one is Tam, who obviously she does not kill. So I think Very that she kills impressive. six. Very um, impressive, man. And it was just, it was really well done. It was very tense. Uh, the the stunt uh, coordination on that was tremendous. It looked painful. Uh, it sounded painful. This was one of those moments where um, that Amazon money is showing up. Oh, no joke. A uh, very interesting footnote here. Uh, the woman who played that part, Magdalena Satova, um, a, spunt, a stunt woman by trade. Yeah, she yeah. was the stunt woman for Jessica, for Lady Jessica in the, in, uh, the Dune, in Dune movie that Amazing. just came out a couple of months ago. And I saw Rafe just talking about it. Like, uh, yeah, at the second that we saw this woman, we were like, she is badass. Uh, we need to put her in the show. She's, she's going to be Rand's mom. Uh, yep, yeah, just yeah. just put that right there. Uh, uh, get her in that role. Film that was, scene. It was great. And it definitely plays so much better uh, when you see the end of the episode and you can go back to like, oh, well, that's where Rand is from uh, is uh, is very, very, very cool. Um, I saw so, a few uh, keen-eyed show-only viewers that that threw the Rand guess out there pretty quickly. Even before uh, I wondered, the yeah, I wondered yeah. how like telegraphed that was. These are the things where like I'm almost jealous of you guys uh, to get to like experience it for the first time, like fresh and new. Um, it's just so awesome. It was such a great freaking scene. It was really super fun. Uh, just a great way to start the episode. So we we then leave. Uh, this cold open, uh, this literal cold open, uh, Very cold. and we go into the ways, uh, we go into the ways and there's a lot of debate about, uh, we need to get back out there. Matt is there. We need to grab Matt. We need to bring him in. Um, no one is exactly excited about leaving Matt behind, but Egwene is the one who says, well, he left us and Perrin mm -hmm. agrees and says, we ha we can't just sit down and die. And Nynaeve tries to reassure Rand that, um, when this is over, 
will find him. Moraine does not seem to be deeply broken up about this. She tells Lan that if Matt actually is the Dragon Reborn, then I can't let him within 100 leagues of the Dark One because uh, uh, of all of the things we cannot afford to let the dragon turn to the shadow. Uh, so that's sort of the, the the temperature of the room of how everybody is feeling about uh, about Matt staying behind. Yeah, like a few notes here. Rand, such a loyal friend, right? Like Rand has faith in Matt. There's that beat where like Egwene's like, oh, he left us and, and like whatever. And Rand's like, Rand trusts him very much. Um, And the note, if for anybody who like missed it, why can't they just open the door back up? Loyal is explaining, we're not in here alone. There's something in here called Machin Shin. And if you channel to open the door, Machin Shin will find us and like ravage our souls. It will be a nightmare, unspeakable, right? He's like, like rambling about how bad Machin Shin is. Um, so the, the idea here is like they can come into the ways. They can go to the ways to the other side, open the door and jump right out. But if they open the door right here, they're going to be doomed because Machin Shin's going to come and they then will not be able to continue onward to get to their final destination, right? The ways, uh, we talked about it a little bit last time, but there are these pathways that were built for the Ogier yep. to be able to travel between their steadings. And once in ages past, they were it was verdant. Like a lush, verdant place, exactly. But now it is darkness. To fall off the bridge is to fall through a bottomless void, right? Um, the Machin Shin, like, layers here, hunts here. It is a dangerous, uh, the dangerous really, place. The really scary thing was when Loyal's like, yeah, by the way, falling down the bottomless pit of the void is not the scariest or worst thing that could happen here. No, that's a good option. That's a that's a good death in the ways yeah uh, um, it's like it's wow can you show me the ways out please because i don't want to be there no way I, I loved all of it man the set design the kind of weird like hexagonal pillars making it there's all these bridges leaping from island to island right and loyal is here ostensibly as their guide in the text it's a little different the i said i can't just open it only kind of the ogier know the secret in and out of the ways which is sort of why loyal ends up with them but here he's sort of a guide like uh um like helping them make their way through this journey but i found it just awesome the whole like presentation of this place the lightning it was terrifying yeah uh loyal also tells them uh, no channeling in here, folks. Uh, using the one power in here would call upon Machin Shin and ask it to feast upon your soul. So whatever you all do, no magic. No and everyone follows magic. those rules for sure. Oh, yeah, perfectly. 100%. No uh, AKA, it is going to be uh, it is it is going to be violated basically immediately. A few things happen as they are traveling through the ways. This is where, yes, we, we get this uh, this uh, this information that this this place used to be lush and green and it used to have fruit trees. Those days are long since past. Also, something seems to be in here defacing uh, these guiding stones. Yeah, um, uh, notable, right? Parents like, uh, wait, what's that? Right? He's like seeing things others can't. Yep. And uh, yeah, loyal's like, um, well, this is strange. An ogier would never defy the question. Perrin can uh, like see pretty well in the dark. He's like Janosh in Ghostbusters too when he comes to Dana's apartment in the blackout. And he puts those uh, those flashlight eyes on. 
it's funny yeah you mentioned Janos because that's exactly what I was thinking uh, oh but I would uh, yes Uh, (laughs) so there's that going on Um, Rand and Egwene they spoon in the night and I do have in my notes here Perrin looks jealous Mm -hmm. with a question mark Mm -hmm. apparently he does I heard some whistling you did good year good year my friend uh and someone's gonna get name dropped later on in this episode and they're in the episode how about that where's waldo did you see him yeah because he's here twice yeah i saw him the one time at the very least i saw him uh is when he shows up uh outside of faldera is where i've where i see pat and fane I, i have in my notes pat and fane follows in slow pursuit uh so yeah he's he's on their trail and what's he doing here uh Nynaeve certainly doesn't believe that he's here she says he's been he died at Beltine um does not appear to be the case there's a bunch of little pot and fane sightings we hear the whistle right and then there's this attack in the night the trollic coming over the bridge horrifying yep it appears to be like a revelation that trollocs are in the ways lan is even notes i think at one point this is how they hit emmons field yep. this is how they were showing up in force and then as they run after the trollic attack in the flash of lightning in the ways it is a single frame if that josh pod and fame stands on the bridge in the lightning in the ways with them oh um, wow and it was like a big like i didn't catch it till my third time you yeah. know uh it, i mean like they really stashed him in there but um very interesting stuff uh in like the extended stuff for the episode there's a still of him with uh, what's called an avendasaur leaf in his hand the avendasaur leaves were like the keys to open the ways to the ways in the book so that was like a nice touch that they just had added in the extra features i would have loved to see it in the episode like how did he get in how is he getting out uh there is like some justification there um this is maybe like a really like criticism i have that like a lot of the stuff getting nestled in the x-ray features i would love to see like exist in the actual show itself sure Uh, because like you got to go digging for that one and uh for like a lot of us out there the the me's of the world like we're nerding out so hard to see this picture of the event of sora leaf so um yeah small things but anyway well the rest of us are depending upon you i include myself so trying uh, i'm trying you're doing great no you're doing incredible uh so there is this trollic attack uh and then somebody channels and by the end of the episode you know we get another perspective on this um so i'm a little bit lost because in my in my first viewing i think it's once again naive having sort of an explosive moment of of channeling um and then mansion shin mansion shin uh, shows up the black wind howls Yep. Th- um, this all happened wildly fast, right? So as I'm like watching it back slowly, the trollic comes over the bridge. Rand and Egwene are spooning. Uh, they leap up. Rand like kind of protectively grabs her. And and it looks like Egwene does it. But I mean, it's a split second. And then we cut. The trollic goes into the void. We cut back to them. And in this shot of all of them, you see Egwene like staring at her hands. And really quickly, she's like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to channel, right? Right. Um, so, so they are trying to like put it on her. She even thinks it's her. Like she's such a novice. She doesn't know even if she did or not. Right. Because obviously we do reveal later that it's Rand. Um, but yeah, regardless, the channeling calls in much and Shin and everything goes to hell. So we, we, uh, 
so the end of the episode is confirming that it's Rand who channeled here. Yes, it's it. definitely okay. Rand 100% as we're seeing in these flashbacks, right? Um, and we'll talk about the Rand of it all and like how much mileage there uh, you have there. Yep, yep, yep. But at the very least, he has channeled multiple times across the series. Yeah, right? it, sh- it showed um, us a few instances. The door, uh, even like the, him like dragging his father back to town. And then here, that's him channeling to knock the Trolloc off the bridge. Uh, the Aes Sedai female channelers cannot detect if a male pulls on Sidene. Uh, Sidene and Sidar are these two different kind of fonts of power that males and females are drawing from for their magic. And so... Yeah, nobody knew, but he did it. Oh, my God. Uh, so the Black Wind howls, as Magus from Chrono Trigger would say, uh, oh and they get attacked by this wind, and it's uh, saying all sorts of stuff. I tried to write it down as quickly as I could. There was uh, one. Uh, someone is saying you're wrong about everything. You're an imposter. You're a fool. <laughs> That is, um, I think that's for more rain. And yep. she's saying like, you'll murder all these children and yep. call it heroism. That I think I got. Yep. Yep. Uh, for Rand, it's Egwene won't love you. Yep. For... She'll never love you. She'll leave you. Yep. Yep. For Perrin, it's you wanted Layla dead. Really mm-hmm. piling on parents. They say like you loved another woman because you wanted her dead. For Egwene, it was really quick. Like you're an imposter. Yep. You're a fake. You'll never live up to anything, right? Yeah. Uh, Nynaeve is you'll hear their screams when they die, just like your parents. That's <sighs> they brutal. Went hard on Nynaeve, right? Yeah. It, is, it says to Land, um, like you'll you know she'll die. You can't protect her. And then they go like double down on Nynaeve. You can't protect any of them. Yeah. They'll die. You'll hear their screams. And this at this point, Nynaeve just pops off, right? This is definitively Nynaeve like going wild, right? Yeah, she's, I mean, you know, whatever we want to say about Rand, who clearly can channel, Nynaeve can channel. Uh, she's still mostly when we've seen this, it's been in these moments of extreme emotional duress. Um, mm-hmm. but you uh you you shake in your boots at the prospect of her with that under control. Um, is uh, is a really really alluring prospect. They're able to get out of the ways in time, um, and they are uh, not far away from the fortress city of Faldara, which is itself a day's ride from the Eye of the World, which itself is the prison that contains the Dark One. Did I get that right? You did. That's all wild. Uh, that's God. really good. So these are all like slight pivots from the show. But yeah, Faldara, very cool. It's up kind of in the northeastern part of kind of the map. Uh, the idea is like it, it's right here. These are called the borderlands. The whole northern section of the map, there's a there's a mountain range to the north of them. The mountains of doom, uh, spelled with an H, D-H-O-O-M. And uh, beyond that is the blight, the blight, uh, this place like fully corrupted by the dark one. This is where the Trollocs come from and so Faldara is this like keep the capital of Shinar the kingdom by Tarwin's Gap which is kind of like the only pass out of the blight when the Trollocs come in mass they will have to come through Tarwin's Gap so uh, Faldara is like this really important fortress up here yeah um so we're gonna see the blight in this episode that's like all the the twisted tangle of vines and detritus it is. Yep. I got a lot to say about the blight. Um, but yeah, the blight looked amazing. Looked me, awesome. Man. Yeah. It looked like a, a, a carpet of like 10 million dead spiders. It just like, ooh, it like sent chills down my spine. I love the blight. It was cool. It was cool. So the, so Faldara is sort of 
um, man's last defense against this? Is that sort of what uh, this place is? Kind of. All these borderland kingdoms are right on the edge of the mountains, and so Trollocs come over in small amounts. But the idea is, like, we're a great army to march. They would uh, have a hell of a time coming over this, like, wild mountain range, and they would have to come through Tarwin's Gap. So, so uh, yeah, like, Faldara is the first place they'll hit, right? If not the last line of defense, it's going to be, like, the first line of battle um, should they ever come in mass. And we'll talk about it a bit, but, like, where Faldara and Shinar stand now, there used to be the kingdom of Malkir, but the blight has kind of absorbed it. Uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but yeah. No. Um, okay, so when we get to Faldara, first of all, Morin's Morin's like anything that you heard back there, just forget it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just totally forget. It. Did anyone? Did the Black Wind say anything to Loyal? Yeah, didn't lo- even mess with loyal at all. Lo- we basically, uh, we <laughs> like, we to totally the black wind be like, yeah. yeah, I want the black wind to be like, uh, Rand Egwene's never gonna love you. Egwene, you're an imposter. Perrin, you wanted Layla dead. Uh, Moraine, you're gonna get all these people, kid. Loyal, you're cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, loyal, I got good. nothing yeah. for you. You're good. We're good. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. yeah, uh, thought that was great. I did catch it. I was like, I don't think that they said anything to Loyal. No, really good, good point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's important or just hilarious, but I think it's way. both things, yeah. probably. You know, <laughs> Loyal uh, grievously overlooked for the rest of the episode from yeah. here. That was like his last great moment, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it really is a funny footnote, but no, like the Machin Shin can't like talk any smack to Loyal. That's He's so too funny. pure. He's, He's too way pure. too pure. He's yeah. too pure. Um, okay, so we go inside Faldara. There's a couple of people here that Land seems to know, including this guy with the eye patch and the love scars. That and I the, love that guy. The blonde guy. man bun. I wrote down Jared Harris as Wolverine. Uh, oh, my was God. sort of my, uh, my note on him. Uh, I he, guess uh, Wolverine as Patch, too. He is Jared Harris's Wolverine. That's amazing. This guy's name is Uno Namesta. Uno Namesta, very minor character from the books, who has a real potty mouth, bloody this, flame in that. Uh, and he is amazing little character that we meet in Shinar. He knows land. He's a cool dude. Uh, keep your eye out for more Uno sightings along the way. Uno's fun. Uh, he, yeah, he was cool. I liked him. Uh, we see this is Lord Agomar. Am I? Yes. This right? There's Lord so Agamar. many names in this one. I'm so sorry if I mess any of them up. No, um, you're killing them. And he's basically saying, "All right, well, you could all stay here, but I'm not thrilled that you're here." Uh, and he's saying that the, I know that the blunts seem a little scary to all of you people. I'm telling you, it's fine. We have this all completely under control. Moraine's kind of. Eh. Somebody really should do something about the blights. Uh, I love this little exchange. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. Where he's just like, uh, I don't need your advice. And she's like, I'm not here. Moraine is like, I'm not here to advise you. Like, you're the king. You know, you need to do what you need to do. A lord needs to rule his land. Also, let me just advise you, though. You really need to send a bunch of guys over here. And he's like, do what she says. It's so great. Man. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole the whole little interaction here really like just showcases how the Aes Sedai get stuff done. Right. Yeah. Um, um, so that's going on. We see Pod and Fane is in slow pursuit. That is what I have. Follows in slow pursuit. We see him out in the deserts near Faldara. Uh, so he is on his way with a collision with the finale, I would assume, at this Seems point. Like. Seems um, like. 
Moraine meets a meets with a woman lady, uh, um, um, Amalisa. I think Amalisa. Yeah, this Amalisa. is um, Lord Agomar's sister. Okay. And we get a little bit of background. That she, she trained once, at the tower. Yeah, she once was um, in the running to be an Aes Sedai. She is not an Aes Sedai, correct? She was training. She was uh, training to to uh, reign her her power in, but she is not loyal to. Um, to the Aes Sedai and She's the Amaranth. Definitely seat. not loyal. No. Yeah. Um, uh, no, loyal is a different character. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so yeah, we, just a little bit of like, you know, they take these young women to uh, Tarvalin to the tower and they become accepted. They start training or they start training as initiates. I'm sorry. Once they like gain kind of enough prowess there, they're raised up to accepted. Now, this is a slight change from the book, but it seems that once you're accepted, you get the ring. And then once you earn the shawl, uh, once you've completed your acceptance, training which can take like a decade uh for some it's like years and years and years long you you take a series of tests and are given the shawl right so uh at some point amalisa here like left as an accepted there's a lot of reasons for that uh disciplinary reasons reasons of power moraine seems to suggest here like just because your power with the, your strength with the one power wasn't enough we turned you away, but you still like had the training in the tower. Right. Right. Um, and that's an important footnote for a lot of characters we'll meet along the way. Okay. Um, so she is going to be tasked with uh, getting a message out about Matt, who seen who they've left behind and is somebody who should be picked up and watched after. And look at Moraine saying, you know what I want you to do? I want you to make sure that this news hits the red Aja. That's bad, right? The red Aja, the 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 ones who want to 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 kill the dudes and the people they who are they're the police. That's the cops. Yeah, She's calling the cops on Matt. It's true. Uh, just important note, right? But the Red Aja as a whole, like organizationally, they don't want to kill all the men who could show. No, no, no. A no, lot no. of them as individuals do. Leandrin does not like men we have learned, right? She's been like our avatar for the Reds so far. But this is... Uh, but the Reds that we have seen so far, you know, are are all kind of colored by Leandrin yes. to a degree. You know, she, yes. sort of sh- she sort of shadows that stuff in. And so the connotation of Moraine saying, call upon the Red Aja to find Matt is definitely hairy if you've been enjoying Matt as a character who does not appear in this episode, and we will have a lot more to say about Matt and his role in the show next week, I am sure. Yes, uh, we sure will. So so the Reds want to gentle the men, right? That line from the very first episode that, like, uh, the one power is not yours is, is very relevant in the eyes of the Reds. The Reds want to, like, stop male channelers from channeling because the male channelers go mad. Their half of the source, Sidene, is tainted. It's poisoned. It's corrupted. The Dark One has, like, made it evil. It drives them mad, and they become a danger to themselves, to others, right? Right. So the idea that Moraine is like sending reds after Matt is very, very scary. Very bad. Yeah. This is a huge pivot from the books and the books. Matt is with them here. Yep. Um, and we'll talk about it all later. But, but yeah, this is a, a, a big thing. And it just kind of shows Moraine's ruthless practicality. Right. Uh, I talked about it a lot in that episode, The Flame of Tarvalin, when she's with Swan. Like there's just a, a pragmatism to her that like her investment in these kids is really about her investment in her quest in this goal of like putting the dragon up against the dark one, like stopping the dark one from breaking the wheel 
and uh, they all can die for it. Like that much is evident. Right. And yeah. she's already expressed. There's a darkness in Matt. She's got some real concerns about this kid. So yeah, it's very bad. Uh, bad news for, for the Matt stands out there. Um, so that's what she's going to do. Meanwhile, um, you know, all of the others are sort of unpacking what happened in the ways. Uh, Perrin is the one who brings up that he he sensed Pot uh, and Fane, the peddler. Nynaeve says, no way, he's dead. Uh, he died at Beltane. That was a different time, a long time ago, uh, was all things with, uh, with, with Beltane. Um, meanwhile, there's this inn uh, where everybody is eating. People are very quiet about Moraine. Perrin is hyping up the way of the leaf. He's like, oh, no, the way of the leaf is good. Nonviolence, that's the answer. We all got to stop fighting. And Rand's just like, no, no, no meat, though. Not even fish. No, no, oh. but they, they have paella. Uh, yeah. Egwene liked the paella. It was yeah. way better than Rand's cooking, apparently. Yeah. So there is someone here at this inn whose name rhymes with inn. It is Min is the name of this character who seems to be the bartender, who is someone I was excited to see, as this is a character I met in the one book of The Wheel of Time that I read, The Eye of the World, who appears in a different circumstance, but is seemingly at least uh, involved in similar stuff. She has like visions of people. Yep. We meet her uh, at, a, at a city we have not been to in the show uh, well before they get to. Anywhere. Who knows if we'll like, get there. there. Yeah. Yep. And so but she, it's, it's the same exact thing. She's, uh, you know, the bartender fundamentally. And she has visions. She is a seer. Um, there are all these gifts that operate outside of the one power and channeling, right? Moraine can like actively tap into uh Sidar and like weave these weaves, right? Cast these weaves. Uh what Min does is just a thing that she can do. She can see. And um yeah, she's able to like see these portents and these signs around people, images kind of flashing about them, about their head. And uh, she has this sort of intuitive ability to interpret it. Uh, Moraine was asking Lady Amalisa, like, I need to go talk to Min. Uh, yep. Yeah. So she wants to talk to her, and Min is having some visions about all of the people from the two rivers. She sees Perrin with yellow eyes, those Yanosh eyes. Uh, oh, yeah, Yanosh. She sees Rand holding a baby, which is provocative given uh, what we see at the end of this episode at the very yeah, least. Yeah, what's that about? Uh, with Egwene and Nynaeve, she sees a white flame, she sees a ring of gold. Mm -hmm. um ring of gold just for me automatically goes to the great serpent rings it makes me wonder who has that eyes at eye future um the white flame maybe i think of the flame of tarvalon will one of these two be the amerlin seat by the end of this thing this is just where my head is at um but all of them are linked there are sparks of light and shadow around all of them uh and moraine is not being left out of the vision quest uh min is going to tell moraine that she sees the Amerlin seat in full regalia and that she will be your downfall, Moraine. Well, that's bad news. Sounds ominous, Josh. Sounds very ominous. Uh, this actress, Kay Alexander, she is awesome, dude. She had this kind of like, um, uh, I don't know, this this passive indignation kind of mm -hmm. that was just like rolling off. Or there was just this casualness about all of her that really embodies the way Min is portrayed in the books. Min's a really interesting character as she pops up here. Um, and, and there's just like really great energy between 
between her and Rosamund Pike. I felt like like their chemistry there was like awesome. And yes. Moraine like does her I Sedai thing where she's like, um, oh yeah, hey, so isn't it great? Like nobody bothers you because it would be really bad if the I Sedai blew your spot up. You would be hounded day and night, right? And then just gives her the look like it's just this very like backhanded threat, you know, this very yep. kind of passive aggressive overt threat of like, I can ruin your life. Uh, just do what I need you to do, you know, and um, I love their whole interaction here. Yeah, it's very, very, very good. Um, Moraine is going to explain who Min is to the rest of the, the the friends from the two rivers. And she says, so, hey, so we're going to the eye of the world tomorrow. And whichever one of you isn't the dragon is going to die. Mm-hmm. You're going to be smashed between two forces of nature. And I tried to ask the barmaid if I had to bring all four of you, but she didn't really have a clear answer for me. Yeah, um, so that means I'm going to yeah. bring all four of you and three yeah. of you are, are going to die. Yeah, three out of four uh, Emmons fielders die when visiting the eye of the world. Yeah, it's yeah, rough. And, and so Nynaeve says, well, um, we're not going to go then. You can't just make <laughs> us do that. <laughs> I love Nynaeve. I'm sorry. She's so funny. Um, I just want to note like how forthright Moraine is being here. You know, They call her out. And she's like, look, I can't lie. As much as I would like to sometimes, it would make my life so much easier. But I can't. I cannot lie. Um, but she doesn't. She's pretty straight up with them about men, about what it means. And she like lays it out on the table. And yeah, Nynaeve, right. uh, very much Nynaeve, right? Yeah, just she's like, saying no. You can't that. make you can't make us do it. And Moraine says, "Well, you can't run or hide from the pattern." And he was like, "Watch me." Um, but yeah, so this is where we where we hear you know they they all kind of debated a little bit. You know, nothing an Aes Sedai says is optional. She's going to force us. Um, you know, Egwene is saying we have to keep going. This is how we save our families. And by the way, she can't lie. And who is it that says? But she can mislead. It's um, Rand. Rand is yeah. very wise in this moment, right? He's like pointing out, like, look, she can't lie, but she can mislead us. So, like, let's like keep things in perspective. Um, Rand, I know, like, you know, uh, maybe not as like immediately evocative as a lot of the other people, right? But he's just the stable guy, right? He trusts his friends. He's he's uh, like pretty grounded here in his assessment of Moraine compared to the rest of them. I think, like, I, Nynaeve yeah. a little bit like too angry, maybe Egwene a little bit too trusting, maybe. <laughs> what i mean um but rand is like interesting with his uh yeah well he's he's also obviously still um dealing with the fact that he knows or at least he strongly suspects i'm the guy i'm the yeah. one who, who yeah. should go um but but beyond that i did have um just a, a moment and so i put this in my notes of so she can't lie she can mislead she could also just be wrong. It's very important. It's a note that I had earlier on, but Moraine has been mistaken about some things so far in the show. Not huge things, but Moraine is not omnipotent. You know, Moraine is not uh, Gandalf, some like angel restored right. to the world. Uh, Moraine knows what she knows, and she's very smart. And she's very capable, but she doesn't know everything. Right. And she can make mistakes. She's fallible, right? Yeah. Important to note. Yeah, so I had that of, what if she's just wrong? Yeah, um, what if? So this is where they all start getting into their fights, 
the squabbling shall begin here. Uh, that if Moraine wasn't a part of this, you wouldn't think twice. Don't let your pride stop you from doing what you know is right. Great um, line, by the way. Like, um, gosh, uh, if most people listen to that, the world would be a better place. But this I is know a huge it. thing for Nynaeve specifically, right? Nynaeve is pride. Nynaeve is, like, strong. And these are great characteristics, right? Like, pride is, like, an important thing as a person. And it's complicated to be proud of yourself, to have that, like, kind of righteous indignation when people push against you or ask too much much or overstep but it can get in the way right um and i just love that line it felt uh poignant to me but they get into the whole um you never really even liked matt mm-hmm. you thought matt was a, was a turd uh, she's like I, I i definitely liked matt i'm mad that you're saying this uh and you know you your uh parents now standing up and getting into it with Rand because Rand's like well gwen the only person who's ever really left me is you parents <laughs> like don't Very talk petulant. to don't talk to her like that parents know uh and Nynaeve says I'm so tired of you two fighting over her like she's something you can win and I had to re-watch this moment I was like is there subtext here that I'm okay okay all right love triangle yes so I have it here whoa okay parent loves Egwene as a question uh and Rand is starting to get really mean about it uh, about of the the day you proposed to your uh to your wife was the day that Egwene and I got together right I think yeah um, he says that which like I don't know that seems like barf, not, yeah, barf, yeah. No, really. <laughs> nope um, don't love this but you know, this, love- this is just kind of like trite stuff you know it's very this is this feel and I'm saying this without ever having ever actually watched this show but this just feels very teen wolf to me uh, uh this moment you know what i mean it does though i it, did see the michael j fox movie in the 80s and i think i can agree well, i Josh. mean i mean the mtv one uh you know it's but it has that vibe of you yep. know this is one of those cw-ish moments for me uh of this is just not exactly computing uh with what i'm enjoying about the show uh it is really the the thing that comes to mind to me as far as a moment from this episode, that's not super great. Um, but yeah, I don't love it. I don't love that they're beefing over a Gwen. Just feels like, eh, let's get past this. Let's not yeah. do this. This is not I, worth doing. I strongly agree. I did my griping early on, right? But to me, like, I was really happy with the scene. I love it as we start to like slow down, and I'm like, okay, wow. Uh, seven episodes in, like, we've been talking about how we want this. We want to spend some time with these kids. I want to get to know them. Uh, not everybody may feel the same, but like, I'm invested in these characters, right? And I, and hopefully you are too. By the time you're seven episodes in, and so I'm excited to get their perspectives, to see them, like, kind of their their individual relationships within this group. And then we hit this stuff and I'm like, Meh. Uh, yeah. it just doesn't do it for me. It doesn't land. It's a departure from the source material that I like strongly disapprove of. And I said my two cents, right? It feels kind of like very cliche TV, right? We need to do the thing. So let's do the thing and make it more interesting. But like, is it? Because I, I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, yeah, that that was it. This is like my big criticism, you know, of the episode was like their choice to lean into this. But um, otherwise, like I do like the depictions that we're getting of like of naive of rand of of um Egwene, uh and less so of perrin because like this is the focus of his role in the scene and like i don't love that right uh, yeah so whatever yeah not my preference uh that this is sort of uh 
where we're getting into with all of that. But, you know, it's it's going to be what it's going to be. Yep. Um, so that's what's going on in terms of in terms of that fight. Uh, parents like, don't you say that Layla was the only woman I ever loved. Uh, and then Lan and Moraine are going to be talking a little bit later uh, about um, how well. They'll come. You've given them an, the illusion of choice. Yeah, I had this line too. So first of all, they're standing, uh, Moraine, looking out off of like this balcony, yeah. and we see looking out. Yeah. We see a pass in the mountains, uh, Tarwin's Gap, that I keep talking about. So, so she's like looking down there, all the torches. This is kind of the way north into the blight, right across the mountains of doom. Land comes out, and and this one line, he says, um, "They'll come. You've given them a semblance of a choice, you know." Yep. And it's just that's <laughs> like again so pointed uh the like way that they handle this manipulation when you're like dissecting it overtly and we're kind of watching the show it's pretty obvious and, and kind of uh overhanded here but it just i just love that be the way that like he acknowledges it uh it's a great turn of phrase and it's absolutely true yeah uh he gave him you know the the illusion of options mm-hmm. um so the smell here reminds Moraine of when Lan, uh, when she first met Lan. Um, okay. Uh, this meeting is recounted in the prequel book, uh, New Spring. There's a bunch of stuff that we've pulled out of New Spring. The blood snow and the whole like Aiel War that we're talking about a little bit was recounted in New Spring. Uh, there's details there in the x-ray features, if you look, that talk about when Lan and Moraine met. Uh, that seems to indicate to me that's not a story where I've recounted on the show. So I don't know if I should like share okay. it here or save it for folks who want to read it. But, yeah, like, let's the, save su- it. Let's suffice save it. to say that they were not like the friendliest when they first met, right? Um, and it's really like a fun story for anybody who's going to go back and read it. Yeah. Um, I like this from Moraine, which says, um, I feel guilty about the things I've taken from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lance says, no, you know, before you, I had nothing to live or die for. And you gave me both. And, you know, that's not necessarily, you know, an answer. You know, that, that doesn't mean there aren't still things that she's taken from Lan because Lan as a warder and being someone in service to an Aes Sedai perhaps is not able to enjoy some of the smaller things in life. Uh, and Moraine alludes to what we will see um, be a much bigger deal in just a couple of scenes uh, is she alludes to Nynaeve. She says, I like her, by the way, the wisdom. Uh, and that's what she's talking about. You know, the mm-hmm. things that, um, you know, being alive and living are not necessarily the same. Nope. Things. Nope. I love this so much. Uh, we've spent so much more time than I anticipated in season one exploring the warder Aes Sedai relationship. As we like look back at all that stuff with Karen A and Stepin, uh, they're like showing us the depth of that bond, that attachment between each other. And we had these couple of scenes where we've seen them in the hot tub with each other, vulnerable, all this. And we joked around a little bit, but like what I really absolutely adore here. First of all, it's like these big romantic overtures, uh, the big like fantasy of it all, uh, epic kind of like choices of like, I had nothing, you know, I took everything from you. And he's like, no, you've given me something to live for and something to die for. That's like epic fantasy line. Love it. But really what I'm here for, Josh, is like the like platonic love between these two people, right? These two people love one another. They, we can put it in whatever 
terms we need to kind of like present it and accept it and swallow it. They are bonded magically. They have been through hell and high water. They are bound on this quest together, uh, trying to save the world, right? The fate of the world in their hands. But there's not uh, this romantic relationship between them. And, and it's very, should be very clear by the end of this that Moraine's like, I really do. I like her. And it's almost this like parental, like I approve moment that I read it as, but more so it's like, it's just the love between these two that has no basis in any kind of like sexual tension. There's no pivot here. This is the one that like, I wondered if they would pivot a little bit on and like yeah. create more tension that didn't exist in the I'm text. I'm glad right? it doesn't seem to be there. It's so pure, dude, like more platonic love between like, uh, you know, men and women in, in fiction period. You know, I really, really love this. I can't say it enough. Yeah, it's great. Um, so Lan has some people he wants to see before they hit the eye of the world because you know he's got friends here he's got family here it would seem mm -hmm. um and Nynaeve once again is tracking uh land but tracking in huge quotes I think it's a little light stalking that's yeah. happening here right yeah yep. he he doesn't seem to mind he knows nope. it um so she's eavesdropping as he's hugging it out with some people and then he <laughs> sneaks up behind her uh he says by the way this is following not tracking <laughs> uh and so he invites her in and so she meets some people here there's a man he's the only character that's named according to the x-ray features zahir yep um, um not a not a character from the books there's a couple of people like this that he had kind of access to surrogate sure. for almost again in the new spring the prequel especially but um i mean it, his role is like very clear here right he's like he's lance family in a certain sense found family at least if not his blood relatives yes. and like uh you know it's great it's a great little scene yeah, and we, you know, I'm I'm kind of combining the uh, the post coitus uh, scene uh, mm -hmm. that is that is occurring here and the information that we're going to get from there. But when Nynaeve's going to ask Lan, why does he call you Dai Shin? Uh, it's the title given to future kings of Malkir, uh, which seems to be big news about about Lan that he is from this uh, this land uh, where you know his father had armsmen who were all killed, his family was killed, and this man Zahir. Uh, helped smuggle Lan out and brought him to Faldara. Um, and that he, uh, this is going to be something that helps Nynaeve understand Lan a little bit, that this is why he's bonded to Moraine. He's a, a boy without a family and a king without a kingdom. Uh, yep. Now he finally belongs. I love this big surprise. I'm so hyped for the Malkir lore. Uh, Daishan, you'll hear this term a lot. It's the old tongue. It means battle lord, right? Um, so not only like, you know, Malkir was a great kingdom. It was a big place. It wasn't like just one city or one little thing. There were seven great towers of Malkir. That was a land of like a thousand lakes, right? And it was north of Shinar, of the place where Feldara is. But the blight encroaches every day. The blight is a living thing. It moves further and further and further south, creeping ever onwards. There is this inevitability to it that if if we do not fight, if if like man does not stand against the dark one, against their the blight, his like corruption in the north, then the world will fall to it, right? Um, and so Malkir 
was land's father's kingdom the lore in the text is like myriad complex it's delightful there's all of this kind of great story there to what happens why malkir falls but essentially legions of trollocs come because the trollocs live in the blight and call it home they overrun the place uh land's family is slaughtered by his words here in the episode and his father's armsmen smuggle him out this boy and so when we started this in the preview pods i said landman dragger and the character to watch like land is a trope uh, a landman dragon is an archetype you've seen him before like again with the lord of the rings of it all right strider he, yeah exactly he's aragorn son of Arathorn. he's a king without a kingdom we've seen it done a million times now but he is such a well-realized version of that archetype um the like depth of lore that's put into his story and the way that land is a character embodies this space and the choices that he actively makes and dare i say no spoilers but the journey that land goes on in this story my god it's one of my favorite in fiction uh it's so good and i love this beat josh i'm so glad we got to it now yeah yeah this show has really hooked me in a lot of different regards but nynaeve lan moraine these i think are my people mm -hmm. yep. uh so I, I i really loved this episode for lan for sure obviously so yeah so so nynaeve and lan consummate the thing there has been something between them since we've seen them together uh you know she had the huge magical outburst to defend lan uh, against Loghain or to, to avenge land really at the time is what it she did like. both right she yeah. she like attacks Loghain while healing land it was nuts yeah red wizard um so yeah she's able to do that at at that point in time um and here now it's Nynaeve you know Lan and Nynaeve they're walking back uh and they don't kiss but it's clear that it could go there he goes into his room he undo undoes his armor. You see that his back is covered in scars. Oof. And Nynaeve comes in and she says, do you want me to go? And the answer is definitely not. Uh, footnote. I don't know that Moraine's bond is masked here. I thought about uh, I just that. thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, well, then it kind of feels like Land's like, well, then whatever. You know, um, it is. I mean, it is. There is a little bit of like um, approval, permission. You know what I mean? That like that thing in that scene before of like, I like the wisdom. Right. And the other thing that like, God, they're riding into death in a certain way. Right. They're all kind of stealing themselves to like ride into this place and not come back. Right. Land has no uh, promise of coming back. Like Moraine sent him. Don't you have farewells to say to the people here? Right. And so if this is his last night, then like, so be it. Um, this relationship is is one to watch. I will say that uh, as romances go, it's complicated, it's complex, it's challenging, and uh, it's it's uh, my favorite. How about that? I That's love great. It. That's yeah. great. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying it as well. There's more romance in this episode as Rand and Egwene are going to to smooth things over. Um, and she says she's mad about the Matt thing because I like I would fight for Matt. I would die for Matt. And Rand's like, I'm just really scared right now. Uh, and, you know, whatever happens next, you need to go to the White Tower. You need to become who you were born to be. And I will go with you because every eye said I needs a warder. And you really think I would let someone else be yours? Um, and 
That was so romantic to me. It landed for me it too, Josh. Too. I'm so glad you said that because like I'm sappy. I'm a big like sappy uh guy that like loves a good romance. And like these two, I don't know, it really have, landed for me. He's I so have, earnest, you know. I have a hard time imagining it's going to be happy enough to get to that place, you know, especially given the end of this episode. But the intent <sighs> behind it at the very least, I thought was very romantic and felt young and useful yeah. and optimistic. It, Stick, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I forgot what that feels like. So. Me too, man. <laughs> Me too. They're so like swept up in it, right? Yeah. They've like had this like tension. They've been separated. They've been apart. They just had this little like nipping and biting. And Rand even says like, I never thought there was anything there. I've seen people online that want to give Rand the charitable read here. Be like, he never thought there was anything happening with Perrin. He's saying that to push them away because like he knows he's going to leave, right? I think that's a reach um i think like they're young people that are feeling big emotions as yeah. they are in this life and death situation let's like put in mind like they have never traveled outside their village they're on the other side of the world with an Aes Sedai and a warder and an ogier they've traveled through the ways they've been hunted by trucks they're like a lot has happened in seven yeah, episodes this is an emotionally harrowing experience and the two of them finding solace in this love they have for each other like i like it also footnote the scene opens with Rand shooting arrows. Really small thing, but like his father, Tam Althor, used to win the village archery competition every right, year. Right, he had right. a little trick for himself, the flame in the void, that like he used to always win the archery competition. So I just like that. Oh, yeah. That what was the like, flame in the void? That's described in, in the Eye of the World, the book. It's described in great detail in the Eye of the Books. It's a thing that Tam this does. This is kind when of his, his, uh, his fear it's, is the mind killer type deal. Concentration. Right? It's very yeah. much a fear is the mind killer. Yeah. But he says, Says to Rand, empty your mind. There's nothing but the void and a single flame. Like channel everything you have into that flame. Focus, let everything else close out. It's a concentration technique that his father gives him to be a better archer as a child. Uh, we'll, we hear it brought up again and again in the books. Um, blade masters use this in combat. And, and it's a little thing. It's like especially there for the Mies of the world. That to see that like when Rand is stressed, he goes goes he knocks his arrows and he takes his two rivers bow and starts target practicing like his dad taught him when he was a boy he's like taking home with him this is part of like his home his childhood uh this like essential kind of part of who he is family his history it's all tied up in this activity that i really really loved seeing you know so um, speaking of the archery rand and Egwene are together in the night and rand is clearly chewing on a lot and we get to see the stuff that he's sort of uh, turning over in his mind. And we see these scenes, uh, you know, these flashbacks to, to moments that happened in between scenes. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest that I don't know that I love that as this uh, device. I think that I, uh, as a viewer would, would probably prefer to get this information linearly as it was happening rather than kind of this Kobayashi mug type of a moment here. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's personal preference. I'm sure it works really, really well for some people. But effectively, what's happening is we are seeing, you know, when when Tam was attacked on the night of Beltine, Rand didn't just magically show back up in two rivers with him. They, you know, trudged through the forest mm -hmm. uh, in his in his illness. Tam said some stuff, he sure uh, did. you know, made some revelations. And we connect those moments with all these different flashbacks of seeing Rand um, 
channel at multiple points through the series when he busted down that door mm-hmm. um, back in episode four. Uh, earlier in this very episode, we see that it is him who is channeling to protect Egwene. We hear the words of the Black Wind. Uh, You've always known it's you. You are the Dragon Reborn. Um, And Min, when he goes to see her, has some additional intel for him of one of her very first visions she ever had, if not her first vision, was a man in armor with the heron-marked blade in Tarvalon. Uh, and I saw him and I saw snow. I saw blood and a baby born on the slopes of Dragon Mount with the mother dying in the snow and the man raised in a wooden house in a sleepy village surrounded by two rivers. That's where he took the baby. And that baby was something impossible. Um, Rand is taking all of this to mean that he is the dragon reborn. I know that he says this to Moraine as well. Mm-hmm. It's me. And so they're going to go off on their own together. It was um, me. It was yep. me. Uh, this is material that I think is probably a little difficult for you to get into. Oh, it's not that difficult. Time. Let's take what we know so far. We've met Logan, who is a channeler, who was like, the voices in my head. They told me I'm the dragon. And then they gentled him, right? Uh, do we like, right? This, like, is, this is on my radar for sure. You know, yeah. for, for me, I'm not taking this as gospel necessarily. What no. we've heard is men who touch the source go nut nut. Uh, yeah. in, the, in the words of succession and the, and the Roy family, they go nut nut. They lose their minds. They start hearing from people right. and talking to and hearing voices and stuff. And we did see that with Loghain. So, in one hand, Rand is who he thinks he is and is the Dragon Reborn, uh, and that this is this is him. On the other hand, he is not, and instead he has touched the source and he is starting to lose his mind. I think we should be thinking about both those things. Everything that Tom, uh, remember Tom, how short-lived he was. Don't uh, you dare. Tom's, I know Tom's... He, he's still out there. I didn't see a body. Serial Pharrell. Oh, man, it's going to be rough on you this, this show. No, no Tom's way. like whole thing was about his cousin or his nephew rather. And and he's like, his nephew went mad, right? He's like, my, my nephew was a good boy. And Matt's like, we can handle it. And he's like, I, I'm a good dude. Or, or Rand saying to him about Matt, he's a good dude. And, and Tom's like, yes, so was my nephew, right? Uh, Logan they told me i'm the dragon i wanted to heal the world gentled right um bad things happen to men who can channel matt was talking about it again and again and again right he was afraid he didn't want to go mad like the world doesn't need a dragon like me there is definitely both these things that you should be thinking about clearly moraine believes him moraine takes him at face value she believes him enough to abandon the rest of the kids and take him along right uh but moraine this is the the wheel weaving right you know the wheel is weaving as rand is coming to moraine and saying i'm the one i'm the dragon i think Mm -hmm. for someone like moraine from what i've uh learned of her so far She's going to take that as, okay, well, this is how it's supposed to go. Whether or not it's right is another question, but I think that she is, uh, she will see the sign and move with that. Her words before they stepped in the way gate at the end of episode six was what happens from here is beyond our control, right? There is a sense that the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. And so Moraine rolls with it. Whether or not that's true remains to be seen. Rand uh, clearly terrified walking into this Moraine, at least probably trying to make this decision with mercy, I think is important to note here, right? She's trying to leave the rest of them behind so they don't need to die. Like, 
like this has been weighing on her all of this time because there is a ruthless pragmatism to her but that like exacts a toll right to be that like ruthless in your decision making um all really interesting stuff like min's exact words with rand right like what do you see i see rainbows and carnivals and right. three beautiful right. women uh Egwene, Nynaeve, and uh you know moraine ostensibly right yeah. uh, it's it's all very interesting stuff and whether or not you think rand's crazy or rand's the dragon i think both are really fair takes right here you know yeah um so that's where we leave the episode effectively is everybody being left behind by moraine and rand including lan who did not know this was happening because moraine masked the bond um so how is that going to play out they're going into the tangle of the blight uh they have to get through it to get to the eye of the world just the two of them while the rest are left behind are they going to take it upon themselves to go in pursuit it sounds like it's a bad place to be if you're not the dragon reborn uh so we'll find out we are one week away uh from the season finale of the wheel of time season one appropriately titled rich the eye of the world Yes, the eye of the world. Seriously, you guys, Um, I've seen a lot of discourse out there of people being like, if you love the series, don't read the books. Um, I wouldn't say that. I think the books are really great. I think it's been a huge departure. One of my big takeaways, Josh, is like, I talked about it a bit last week, but how overwhelmingly different this is from the books that I love. Uh, like scene for scene, pound for pound, like 85% of, of what I'm seeing in an episode is brand new stuff. It's, it's new lines it's new scenes it's like different configurations of characters in different ways and i'm like so enamored with most of it right um i, I like beat pretty hard on the things i didn't like about this episode but there was so much there to love and um i'm really like caught up in it i, I just am like loving this journey i'm loving talking to people about it um and and i really 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 like this episode as as moraine and like rand walk up to the blight and we get that shot of the rolling landscape also the audio cues, the sound, you hear the blight creeping, kind of rumbling forward, living, moving, creaking wood. Oh, it just, there's so much stuff they're doing right. I'm beside myself, Josh. It's very good. It's very fun. I'm really eager to see how this thing is going to wrap up because, yes, even having just read the one book, a lot of this is shapeless to me. Some of the things that are happening, I feel like I, I recall it. Uh, as it unfolds, uh, if something happens a little differently, I'm like, oh, OK, that's familiar. Uh, mm -hmm. But then there's so much that is just brand spanking new to me um, that is also really, really fun to engage with. So it's been a blast. It's been really, really fun. And I'm very, very curious to see how they wrap it all up. Me um, too. Yep. Rich, before we wrap it up, anything that you would want to say on a non-book spoiler level of things that happened in this episode that you want to touch on um, that you do not feel you need to save for the book club? Uh, just final thoughts that you have about uh, The Dark Along the Ways. Yeah, my final thoughts. I really love the visual depictions that we had in this episode. We saw like three strikingly different places. Um, I love the way that we like stopped up in here at Faldara and we got our first touch of the blight. We're getting, it's tough without the map, but we're getting a sense that like we're moving around in the world, right? Um, I, I love a lot of the dynamics between the relationships of the of the Emmons fielders. Um, for all the time I spent like complaining about the parent of it all. Um, I love Rand and Egwene, too 
certain extent. Like when they're talking about that whole thing, I'll come to Tarvalon, I'll be your warder. And she gives him back, listen, if it's you, meaning like if you're the dragon, um, I will stick with you through all of it, through thick and thin. Uh, it's so good. Uh, Lan and Nynaeve, so good. Uh, Lan and Moraine, even better. Like the just the dynamics between the individuals in our group really got to be explored. I thought we got a bunch of lore and really interesting ways. And we got a ton of these like minor characters, my Uno Nemestas and Lord Agomars and my Min the Bartenders that got deployed in like really great ways for me. Um, yeah, my one thing, I would love it if they brought some of the stuff in the x-rays that they're putting in here as footnotes into the text of the show itself. There's a few little things that, like, I just scratch my head, like, how come that couldn't be there? Uh, but I'm not a TV writer, so what the heck do I know? Um, not yet. Uh, not yet. Give me a little bit. Uh, I really am really really happy with episode seven i thought it was a great ride that opening scene uh that cold open of t grain mantier walloping six Ilioner soldiers only to be shown mercy by tam althor will stand out to me as like top three uh like great fantasy battles of tv of all time period like i put that up against any like aria of stark fighting game of thrones and that's saying a lot because I love Arya Stark. It was cool as hell. It was so it's dope. Really good, dude. Um, yeah. and it was cool to get you know that um that confirmation of where Rand comes from. You know that feels yep. uh much more certain than uh the is Rand the Dragon Reborn to me is after a couple of teases of what an Aeol is and Rand you look like an Aeol and you know don't drag that out forever. Don't you know do five it's seasons good. of it or yeah. six or whatever seasons. Frankly, it's six seasons, and then they insult my intelligence by not explaining what that means until season seven. You know, don't drag that shit no, out. No, no, we, no. we know what that means. We know that this guy's probably going to be that. We watched the Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, please don't don't insult me. And so they didn't. And, and we don't know what it means is the thing, is we know where he's from. Um, and we, we don't know exactly where he's from, but we know he's not... Uh, from where he thought he was from um, and that's big and there's a lot in there and that for me you know I I got that from the book to a certain extent but getting it on the show uh, this was an episode where I felt connected with Rand's journey maybe for the first time in a really big way and that needed to happen uh, and yeah, so I'm really, really glad that did. that happened a tiny footnote that I just loved in the details, right? But so, so the the baby is born, and Tam leans down, and he cuts the cord with his sword, uh, the very like Heron Mark's blade that Rand carries that he took from his father that Min saw in the prophecies is like the blade that like cut the umbilical cord when he was born. It just uh, I don't know, you know, it, that sound it was just was beautiful moment. Like when I saw it, I, I really. I loved all of that. I'm so glad that they put that here to your point rather than trying to like play a mystery game, a shell game. Don't play a mystery game. No mystery. I'm good. I'm good. Don't need that. Um, yep. I'm great because I got to talk about the wheel of time with my good friend DM Philly here. Uh, you are going to be doing exceptionally well out there in listener land. If you are a fan of the books and you've been listening to the book club here on the Wheel of Time podcast because DM Philly and Taran Thor are going to be getting back together in uh, just a little while from now. You'll be able to watch that on twitch.tv slash DM Philly on Sunday. Is that right, Rich? Yes, Sunday. Sunday, uh, 1 p.m. 
and people will be able to check that out VOD as well. So if you need to get to that uh, prior to the podcast drop, I would expect podcast drop Tuesday morning is what that's going to look like here in Posha Recaps land. Uh, If you can't wait, go to twitch.tv slash DM Philly and just go there anyway. Subscribe, follow along, check out all the amazing things Rich is doing. I don't know why I'm doing this voice, but it just started happening. Help, Rich. You're supposed to interrupt so I can stop. Dyshawn, Dyshawn, what's happened? Yeah, Someone's yeah. got a weave of compulsion. Sorry, sorry. Shake it loose. Shake that it loose. That was my uh, Benny Jesuit training. That's the voice. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. What uh, happened? Different, there different, different franchise. That different got wild. Franchise. I'll do that podcast with you, too, if you just want to talk a bit. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have a lot to say about Dune. Uh, but no, you did a great job talking to Ariel and Grace once upon a time uh, about Dune. Uh, and I'm sure there will be more Dune to discuss at another date in time. Um, DM Philly, that's him all across the internet i'm at round howard we both want to talk to all of you in the post show recaps patron community so what are you waiting for sign up come on in join the discord at the five dollar level you get access to the campus which is a section of post show recaps discord where you'll meet so many different people at the ten dollar and above level you get full access to the discord you can play dungeons and dragons you can talk to people about the wheel of time anything Really just about anything. Come make some friends. We're great people, and we want to have you with us as part of our community. Patreon.com slash recaps. It's patreon.com slash recaps. With the holidays coming up, consider giving Post Show Recaps the gift of your patronage. Uh, patreon.com slash recaps. Rich, anything else? Oh, no. I have something. Um, hey, how's this for a tease? How's this for a tease? Do you all out there like DM Philly? Do you all out there like Star Wars? Do you all out there like post-show recaps? Tune in later this week. How about that? How's that? That sounds exciting, Josh. It's a tease. I feel excited by that. Uh, Yeah. Post-show recaps has a a Star Wars podcast feed that has not been updated for a minute, and that's my bad. Uh, But how about you go subscribe to that Star Wars feed if you want to make sure that you don't miss out on some fun things with Star Wars, Post Show Recaps, DM Philly, and some other friendly faces from the PSR universe. Grab uh, your helmets, folks. Yeah, yes. We're going for, a uh, we're going for a trip. Uh, so check out all of that stuff. We'll be back in just a few days' time talking about the season one finale of The Wheel of Time. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.